beloved, you are now tuned in to Three Black Men, a podcast by three black men where we talk about theology, culture, and the world around us. The following content may not be suitable if you ain't real enough. Listener discretion is advised because real recognize real. Here's the hope when we look familiar. So uh, when I think of black theology for me, um, it's not just knowledge of God, but it's how do we live a life pleasing to God, right? Like, um, I feel like the more I, 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 I dig into black theology, it seems to answer the question, um, how can we live like God? How can we be like God? Whereas I, you know, other traditions I've dug in is more like, oh, well, what can we know to be true about God? It's more like the question they want to answer. And so it's, it gets really heady. Welcome back, everybody, to Three Black Men. Yo. Uh, <laughs> yo. I'm Robert. I'm Trey. I'm Sam. Hey, this is Three Black Men. <laughs> For sure. Hey, welcome back. <sighs> okay, we we doing great. We doing good. Feeling great? Yeah, man, I ain't about to complain. I'm alive and employed. That's got to count for something, right? <laughs> we we You guys haven't done any insurrection at the Capitol lately? I mean, you know, light work. I dabble from time to time. Yeah. <laughs> Man, listen, I have a toddler. There's an insurrection in my house every day. Truly. Yeah. <laughs> hey. nah. No, That's so th- so we want to thank you guys, one, for supporting our Patreon. Uh, yes, thank you. Thank you. We love uh, y'all. We thank you, all our Patreon supporters. Um, two, thank you for everyone who supported our last episode, um, about, yeah. uh, yeah. what happened at the Capitol Chaos building, at the Capitol. chaos at the Capitol. You guys really supported that episode and shared that episode. So appreciate yeah. you. Can I just say like, I, I love our Patreon supporters. I love our listeners, not, not only for listening and supporting everything, but like the actual community that's been built around, like people be interacting with us and, 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 uh, challenging us at places, but also letting us know how we've challenged them on um, really encouraging for us. Really. And I, I appreciate each and every last one of y'all like in Absolutely. a major way, especially yeah. for me after the last episode, you know, I, I really bared my heart and, mm-hmm. um, just the, the response of of empathy and, and and people reaching out uh you know what it that, that i appreciate that um you know I, I was telling i was telling trey and rob before we started you know a, a lot of my life i i kind of felt like there's nothing special about my story and but because of that i felt like it was less than but it like or it wasn't important but it's still important i mean even if even if it's not unique it's still important and yeah. so that's one thing that I'm learning. And, and I pre- y'all, y'all are helping me with that. And so I appreciate that. I really yeah. do. No, appreciate you, brother. So tonight, uh, we're going to be talking about Black theology. Yes. Okay. Yes. And we are talking about this as a precursor to Black History Month, making way for the beauty, the glory that is Black History Month, okay? Um, And some delightful conversations and content that we're going to have coming out on Black History Month. So let's get into it. Black theology, 
first, let's put it on the table. What do you guys think about when you hear the the term black theology? What does it mean to you? What are the, the images and the phrases that come to mind um, and the beliefs that come to mind when you hear black theology? Let's start with Sam because we specifically <laughs> get the request from our listeners and from Samuel himself to start. Let the young him. fella go sometime. Nah, <laughs> Let- because I'm going to tell you, because I'm my worst critic, it's gonna come out like I'm gonna say something, and then y'all gonna come out with hot fire, and I'm gonna be like, "See, yeah, how I'm po- how I'm supposed po- to compete with that?" No, <laughs> Man, go, go Harpo. Uh, nah, go. Um, black <laughs> theology. Yo, I'm gonna tell you. So, black theology for me has been like um, a roller coaster, and not necessarily um, because of what it is, just because of my own experiences in it um through it about it to it like all of that uh and and come you know coming out of it and then going back into it so uh when i think of black theology for me um it's not just knowledge of god but it's how do we live a life pleasing to god right like um i feel like the more I, 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 I dig into black theology, it seems to answer the question, um, how can we live like God? How can we be like God? Whereas I, you know, other traditions I've dug in is more like, oh, well, what can we know to be true about God is more like the question they want to answer. And so it's, it gets really heady. Um, but for me, there's um, black theology has this totality, right? That it, it it encompasses everything, not just what can what can we know about God, but um, how do we live that out? What does that look like? Uh, and so I think about Martin Luther King, um, probably the, the most notable um, Black theologian that I think everybody can um, know. Uh, I'm, I'm becoming familiar with John Perkins and um, James Cone, um, James Baldwin, to be honest, I, some people Ooh. might not consider him a theologian, but that man there, um, I, I, yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, so, mm. um, yeah, and and I wouldn't, yeah. So for me, that's in my context what sort of black theology looks like. Um, I like personally i i like a hoop and preacher i look up a good hoop and it don't even have to be every sunday Just hit, get, hit me every now and again hit, hit me once a month once every two or three months give me a nice hoop with some organ in the background get me excited especially if you like you know preaching on something that can be uh, ecclesiastes uh, uh 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 no 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 not ecclesi uh, uh limitations preaching through limitations look hit me with a little organ give me Make me run around. Okay, I'm I, okay. I'm probably not gonna run, but <laughs> no, I hear you. I hear you, brother. Um, but yeah, um, like all like that that churchy experience, man. The music, the celebration, um, just that where where culture meets theology for for black people, right? Like for me, all of that. that, yeah. that that's black theology for me. I hear you. Okay. All right, we starting out. You naming names, okay? I'm liking it. Okay, yeah. what about you, Trey? Uh, he said all the names already. No, I'm lying. okay. <laughs> no, no. 
So, so for don't me, be dropping all the names. Leave a little juice uh, yeah, for later in the conversation. The Come on yeah. 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 So for me, black theology, um, I, I, I'm ashamed of how I used to feel about it. Yes. Um, I'm, 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 I'm absolutely ashamed of that Ditto. because I was led to believe at one point that different equaled deficient. Oh. Um, yes. And and, and I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm ashamed that I was there, but I'm glad that I found the liberty to move away from that and appreciate the differences uh, because I found that black theology uh, is much more tied to a prophetic tradition and that most of the black theologians and black theology that I'm aware of is much more dedicated to dealing with issues and matters at hand than dealing in theoretical abstracts. And what I mean mm, by that, I love that brother. Yeah. What I mean by that is black theology, as we know, it was born of people um, who were forced to go through a, a spiritual formation process that ran counter to who God created them to be. And that actually denigrated um, their God given image at the same time. Right. Like when we're talking about enslaved people being forced to sit in chapels and church services, uh, to hear sermons preached about why they need to submit to their masters happily mm. and how they're actually conforming to God's plans for their life by remaining shackled. Black theology is born from that place where, where somebody says, is that true? <laughs> because this seems inconsistent. The God that you're telling me about can't possibly love me and want me here in this place. And from that dialect, from that interrogation is born this tradition that makes people examine things in light of the truth of who we claim we believe God is. Black theology makes us question yeah. our presuppositions in light of the other presuppositions we claim we have, right? Um, and, and, and I think it's important to note that that doesn't mean that it's monolithic, that we don't all have to come to the same conclusions, but when you, like, like you mentioned Dr. King, Dr. King spoke with a very prophetic clarity. It's important to recognize that at the time that he was assassinated, I believe around 70% of white people in America and even 55% of black people had negative things to say about his stance on the Vietnam war. Uh, because he didn't view his calling, even as a civil rights activist or whatever, as limited to only dealing with racial issues. He wanted to address things like uh, economics, uh, about uh, mil military industrial uh, complex, about poverty uh, and all of these things. And that all stemmed from his theological outlook. So when I think of black theology, it, it, it's looking at how does my view of who God is, especially as revealed in the person and finished work of Jesus Christ, how does that impact my life and where I've been placed in this current society. Um, I love that. I love that, brother. I um who y'all preaching? Okay. Um, yeah. Okay, pass that offering plate. I think for me, <laughs> I I I think of uh black theology uh in two distinct blocks in my mind um that I like to refer to as black theology recent and black theology former. And uh, Black theology former, I think of it that way because it's important for me to think about Black theology, not just in terms of what has been 
provided contextually by slave masters and by uh, pontificating upon God in reaction to the God of the Bible um, on American soil. <clears throat> and I say that because uh, people of African descent were thinking about God, um, forming opinions about God, uh, intuiting the divine long before they came here. And although they were not in classrooms, although uh, many of their ideas were not written down in westernized uh, uh, forms that we would recognize as um, orthodoxy proper, I reject any norms that would uh, disqualify those views of God. We know... Yeah. Uh, that many of our ancestors had thoughts and beliefs about the divine that I recognize and I cherish and that they are precious to me. And, and, and so I consider that as part of black theology. And so I refer to that personally within in myself as black theology former and in former don't get it twisted. That former is not in a, um, a hierarchy as far as less, lesser than or greater than. I only use former than um, in the confines of language um, right. that right. I am limited to. And so in recent, um, uh, in recent is within the locale of, of what we know as what we are here in America. And so I agree with you so much, Trey, like the, the ancestors that we have here or were intuiting the divine and they were critiquing the message that they were hearing and they were doing beautiful things with analyzing the biblical message, inserting themselves within the biblical message, creating a hermeneutic of suspicion, creating a hermeneutic of, of where they were in redemptive history. Yeah. They were doing a work uh, uh, of, of intuiting uh, the Holy Spirit. They were encountering the Holy Spirit. They were engaging with the Spirit of God and they were uh, critiquing their slave masters to the point where many of them said, we do know that God, but also our slave masters do not have a relationship with the God that they serve. Yeah. How yeah, excellent wow. is that, yeah. that they have, that they have been enslaved by these uh, slave masters. And they say, oh, we do know that God to the point Frederick Douglass <laughs> said, oh, I do love Jesus Christ. What I do not uh, recognize is I am serving a different Jesus Christ than my slave masters. Yeah. Right. They're not saved how unthinkable that he was doing theological work mm -hmm. to the point where he could say, Oh, I'm saved. They're not saved. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is a theologian. He is not recognized as one by any um, theological academies that people yeah. would trust. I, Which I think is a travesty. Like, he was licensed by the by the AME Zion Church, by the way, yeah. as, as a minister. Yeah. And I wouldn't care if y'all recognize him or not. I wouldn't right. care. 
And what I think is beautiful about black theology is away with your licenses or not licenses. It doesn't require Mm -hmm. it because the beauty of black theology is it doesn't need your ordination to recognize it because I love what you brought up is even in the face of trial, black people rose up and incorporated a faith that was real to them. And Sam, you brought that up and it was this embodied faith. I think of the word embodied when I think of black theology. Yeah. And it's yeah. where orthodoxy, orthopraxy and mm-hmm. orthopathy meet. And it's where the mind, the will, the emotions, the body, what we do, what we say, what we feel, what we think about God all intersect. And then from that place we move. And it to me, it stands in direct opposition to white theology at the time that knew a lot of things about God, quote unquote, a lot of scripture memory, Whitfield in them, beautiful slave masters walking through the place, but they, <laughs> they own the slaves. Yeah. 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 I think you, you said something real prescient just now about uh, where, where orthodox, orthodoxy, orthopraxy and orthopathy meet together. First of all, I got to, I got to uh, look up what orthopathy mean when we get off this podcast. Because <laughs> this is one of the sites. It's, it's your emotions. But <laughs> one of the things, if we're looking, if we're looking at, at a modern example, because I know there are some people listening like, okay, black theology, why is that a thing? And, and what's the difference? I'll, I'll bring a very modern example, right? Um, I've spent time on the, on the, like we all met on Twitter, right? Twitter is pretty like central to what we do and how we communicate now. Like that's three specifically. And a lot of listeners found us on Twitter and I've been approached by some people um, asking me questions like in theory and things like that. And it seems so foreign to me because thinking about things theoretically is a luxury for some people, right? And me being trained as I am to think, uh, about addressing issues the way that I do. I don't get to think about things like, no, okay, there, there's real people who are affected by these things and the things that we're teaching. Yeah. And um, when, when when you talk about that, that embodied theology, like that's how I have to approach things. So when you talk about uh, complementarianism versus egalitarianism, like, nah, yeah. I don't really care to have that debate so much. What I'm more concerned about is making sure that women are liberated uh, to, to, to operate independently of their relation to men, right? Like that, that's where we are right now because, um, and, and part of that being understanding how, how the theology that people tried to force and are still to this very, very day, by the way, enforcing on black people uh, and they tried to enforce on, on formerly enslaved people and all those things did not acknowledge their humanity and their right to exist outside of the scope of the of the people who were uh, the architects of their theology, right? Like it was always uh, black people. Um, this is your relation to us based upon uh, the, the the curse that was placed on Cain and the curse that the curse that was placed on Canaan and all of these things. And and what about the the image that God has put in them? What what about their relationship to God? Can you take you out of the equation, right? And and, and when you think about things like that, you really have to look at what the actual effect is outside of all of the terms, right? Mm. So whereas um, Western mainstream theology will focus on things like hamartiology and soteriology and all of the various ologies, 
it's helpful to know about those things, but I'm more concerned about, okay, who is God and how does that affect me? And, and what steps do we need to take? What practices do we need to adopt? What views do we need to affirm in order to reconcile humanity to who we believe God is and yeah. how God is created? Absolutely. I think, uh, go ahead, Sam. No, I was like, I, I can I can attest to that firsthand because y'all know I went to a, conser- a very conservative um, Bible college uh, here in Florida um, in the reformed tradition. And uh, like even before that, though, uh, like when I really got into um, that tradition, it like I started heady, right? Like it reach, oh, read John, read, read the, the Institutes of, of the Christian Religion by John Calvin. And everything was super heady. And I read everything so in such a way it was like study this systematic theology, you know, read, read this theologian, read that theologian. And there wasn't a lot of practical theology in there. And so um, when I did find myself doing different um, uh, small groups or, or preaching different messages, it was very scholarly, right? Like, and it missed a lot of people. And, and there may have been good information in there, but I didn't find a way to bring it home. Yeah. Because everything that I digested was systematic theology. This, this, uh, this different, you know, type of, you know, ology, hermeneutic, you know, yeah. Yeah. yeah, All of those pneumatology, all of that. And it it just wasn't, I missed a lot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because you, I think, because you had the luxury to pontificate from a distance uh, about these things that really didn't matter. And so, so I, I love the example, the real world example that you're using to trace larger point, mm-hmm. right? And I think the beauty of black theology is especially on these shores as, as men and women rose up is they were wrestling with real world issues and and they had to think of what does the divine think about this and what does he require of me and and can god get me out of this you know those were kind of you know a flow of thoughts right you know and so there wasn't time to i wonder what is the epistemological lens of yeah. that that one if i never thing. heard the word epistemology again in my life it would mean, be too soon <laughs> Cassie, yeah. come over here as we think about it. Uh, I mean, what do you what do you think? No, and 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 so like that is not something that that can be given. Uh, like the luxury of having those type of conversations is not given to the marginalized, right? And so, mm. and so the headiness isn't there. Um, in a lot of uh, black theology now, d- let let's not get confused. There are black people <laughs> that can be very heady. Absolutely. <laughs> be like so so. D- no, watch me work. Don't don't be silly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but <laughs> but at this core, how <laughs> black theology was birthed in this country, um, specifically on these shores, black theology uh, recent as I refer to it. Uh, other people can refer to it different ways. Um, it was birth in survival, 
thinking and survival language in connecting yeah. to the divine in a way that demanded um, certain things, right? And certain practical outcomes. And so that means that you live your life and you you interact with community in a certain way, right? So, yeah, I think, okay, this, this, is, this is a thought I have. I, it's going to sound kind of disjointed, but even... Sam, you just referred to your reform tradition. And this is something I've been wrestling with lately um, because one of the models of that reform tradition is semper reformanda, right? Always reforming the land, always reforming. And I think there's an argument to be made that black theology is intrinsically more true to that model than actual like reform theology in terms of its commitment to re-examining our application and adjusting accordingly, right? Um, because I would one hundred percent agree with that. By the way, say more. Yeah, because yeah, because okay, the reform. Like, if we look at the Reformation, it was a response to the Catholic Church at the time, um, and and how they might have been slacking in a couple of areas, right? Like, even if you look at John Calvin's writings on on, on usury, I think I mentioned this in, a, in another episode, like, he, he said, no, this is this is outdated. We, we need to re-examine this, right? Something that was clearly, because I know there, there's somebody mad that we're not talking about the Bible more in this episode. Here you go. Here go your Bible right now, right? Usury is condemned each and every place you see it in the Bible, right? Like, there's no justification for it. John Calvin developed one in, in applying a uh, theological principles to the current situation. And it is from like that justification that John Calvin developed that we see a lot of like modern capitalism that came from that area in Geneva and things of that nature, right? And then somehow, some way, this whole tradition is born from there with the motto, Semper Reformanda, always reforming, that we make sure that we are being Calvinist, that we're st- staying to, to those guns where Black theology is intrinsically questioning things and adjusting to things as we see them happening, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was Martin Luther King who who mentioned at one point that that uh, it's a disservice to the church when we become agents and protectors of the status quo. Let's um, go, baby. Let's there go. are things that we have to examine in light of the scriptures. And, and the thing about it is Black theology isn't always inherently biblicist it's not always going to determine and uh, a literal reading of the bible because we've seen what mm-hmm. that can lead to right like we've seen literal readings of the bible be used to justify enslaving <laughs> generations of black people but if we look at the fact that okay it says that in the beginning god created right there is a creator that's in line with what everybody can agree with if we see that okay we were made in the image of god and then we see that there was a uh, a fall, a distortion. Now we can disagree about exactly what caused the distortion in that act, right? And in, in in the Garden of Eden. But I think what is undeniable that humanity in that moment broke trust with God by listening to a deceiver, right? So we can sit there and 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 argue in theological concepts of, of, about what that means and, and how we adjust to that, or we can construct a theology that is based upon our reality and the fact that I can look around right now and point to specific instances of human practices that destroy community right here among mm-hmm. us. 
And if I believe that Jesus on the cross, right? If I believe that that was about cosmic reconciliation and redemption and the overcoming of human sin, what I have to believe is that by the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that was one by his work on the cross, we can overcome and undo all of the things that happened as a result of the fall, right? Black theology, I feel personally, and then this is me uh, pontificating right now, this is me. I feel it gives me license to re-examine um, how we get to uh, undo all of those things. It, it, it gives me license. Okay, let me say it like this. It gives me license to make my theology, my ecclesiology, my philosophy, my anthropology line up with my cosmology, my doctrine of creation and my eschatology, what I believe it will look like when the coming kingdom resides rather than reaffirming the status quo, which is a fallen nature. Too often we develop theologies based around the way that things are as opposed to how we, what we claim we believe the Bible says they were created to be and what we claim we believe that Jesus is returning them to. Yeah. So I I want to insert this here based upon what you were you were saying. Uh, so are you guys saying that the black church is perfect? Um, no. And I had to remember that this is in theory a Christian podcast, not not a theory in real life. Because I almost said I, I almost put a, a, a superlative before the word no. The black church <laughs> is not perfect. Uh, at all. <laughs> at no, I all. say that tongue in cheek because I know some somebody's gonna play goofy in the mentions. Absolutely, and say something s- silly. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll answer my own question first. I just wanted to see the the reaction from you guys as as the confusion of why would you ask that? Um, I'm not gonna seriously ask you guys that question. Um, no, y'all don't be silly. We're talking about black theology and the beauty it is. This has nothing to do with. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're still here yeah. at the end of the day black people just like any other people on the earth th- there are atrocities within our own church communities as well Absolutely. that is for the captain obvious that would try to put something in the mentions so so as we're having this conversation we're talking about b- black theology we're, we're giving some of this context of what it means to us and we kind of have three different lenses to analyze and i'm loving this this conversation thus far um give me some of of one the a couple don't give me exhaustive a couple of the theologians that you have studied or that that mean a lot to you and then two uh, so a couple of theologians, and then what does black theology do for your Bible reading? Mm. Yo, okay, so real quick, right? I'm gonna tell you something. So Trey, you said something earlier um, when we was texting about how um, you you felt like you was you would you were more Malcolm X than Martin. Well, I like I've said that like that, that I've said that several times and there's probably in our group chat on Twitter, like in a few of I've said that, like I probably got some tweets. It's like, yo, I'm, I'm way more Malcolm than I am Martin. Mm-hmm. But that was just like my hostility. <laughs> um, but 
but I'm finding the more that I read Martin, I mean, there are some areas that I would like, I, w- I wish I could sit down with him and kind of kick the Willy Bobo and like challenge him on, or, or maybe like get some more clarification on some things because I, I don't, but I'm really learning that I, I like, I like how Martin, I, I like how Dr. King, I'm sorry. I, I like how he um, made application, right? Like th- there was this direct connection that's like, no, like you're saying this, but I'm telling you, we have, we have a, a human right, like based on who God is and who God says we are, you know what I'm saying? Like he found his footing in Christianity, right? Like based on those things. And he was really able to articulate cultural. Oh, clearly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm like, I like that. I don't, yeah. I don't know if I could ever get to that place. <laughs> um, but I really, I've really learned um, like I just finished, uh, where do we go from here? I re- I'm learning that I really like, I really like Dr. King. Okay. Dr. Answer, answer the second part of my question too. What was the second part? Sorry. Uh, how, how does black theology, of, uh, uh, how has it impacted your uh, Bible reading? You know what? It's so different now, right? Because um, I'm going to be honest. I feel like when I, when I read through a Calvinist hermeneutic, um, I don't feel like I was able to really enjoy the story, to really enjoy the the language, to enjoy um, the words on the page, right? Like mm-hmm. I was looking for so many different things through so many different lenses, like, okay, so what is this? Or what, you know what I'm saying? Um, but like ever since I've sort of, sort of de- deconstructed and decolonized my faith, it's more like I get to enjoy just reading the stories and and seeing how God moved in ordinary people's lives, yeah. right? Like, and seeing how God liberated <laughs> different people, you know, different marginalized people. You know, like I really get to enjoy Scripture um, again, and 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 so I like that. Uh, it's it doesn't it's not always so studious, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. Like it's enjoyable. Yeah, I think for me. Um... I could name a lot of theologians, but um, y'all know I stand some womanist theologians <laughs> all day. Uh, Mitzi Smith, uh, Will Gaffney are the two that I'll name. Um, Dr. Gaffney is dope. Dr. Gaffney. Uh, whew, Dr. Mitzi Smith. Um, also, all right now. Whew, also, um, <laughs> Martin Luther King Jr. I actually sat down to read his writings, you know, like, yeah, I, th- I, I think it's a shame. I think I've known excerpts of, of, of Dr. King's, uh, mm-hmm. but I haven't read, sat down and read actual text until um, this past year. And who uh, between that and womanist writings, what go ahead. What were you going to say, Trey? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. has a federal holiday and is somehow still one of the most underrated thinkers in the history of this country. Yeah, truly. I read Strength to Love for a class this year and I was like, how did 
I, yeah, I, man, I was crying every Yo, I read his writings and then I go back and like read his speeches and I'm yeah. like, yo, this makes so much, it's so yeah, much yeah, more no. context yeah. when you strength, read his Yeah, strength to love. And you read his and, writings. And people, yeah, you, you can't sanitize his thinking too. Strength oh to love, gosh. he had some Malcolm in there too. So, um, yeah. but, uh, yeah. so I digress. But so, so, um, those three is, is who I'll name and, and how that has impacted my Bible reading, especially over the past uh, few years, is um, it has brought a three-dimensional view of the Bible. Um, I have started to notice things in the biblical text in a narrative way, uh, who is there and who isn't, who is being centered in a text and who is being oppressed. Mm-hmm. Um, even recently I started to notice in the crowds, um, people who are following Jesus from an immigrant lens. And I never, ever, ever thought of that before. Mm-hmm. I, I literally have never thought of people following Jesus as immigrants. Um, yeah, I just never have thought of that before. And I started to notice dynamics of power and, and, and um, started to adopt a hermeneutic of suspicion. Hey, what doesn't look right here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does not, some one of these things is not like the other. You know, <laughs> when the hero is looking too clean, hmm, yeah, there's something mm-hmm. else that's going on here. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it's making yeah. the whole text um, come alive to me and where things were too simple-minded in my mind. Now I'm looking around like, wait a minute. There looks like some women were being oppressed in here. It's not looking, it's not looking good, you know? And so um, I appreciate that. And so it's bringing joy as you're talking about Sam, but it's also bringing terror. It's bringing bringing unease in my Bible reading too, you know? So go ahead. What are you going to say, Sam? Now, and Trey's probably going to say something about this. So I'm going to try and slide in. I'm going to try and steal your coins real quick. <laughs> no. Um, what I was going to say was what really helped me too was um, in the deconstruction part when I understood that the one of, one of the ways that I was interpreting scripture was through an individualist mindset or through a Western um, mindset, which is individualist and not through a communal like through, through a community yeah. and how that that changed too um yeah. and and i noticed yeah it's different than reading s- scripture with like a calvinist hermeneutic right because yeah. everything is on the individual right yes. there's the individual responsibility and, and all of the other stuff so i just mm-hmm. wanted to toss that in that that yeah. really i noticed that too in yeah reading. i love that uh-huh. yeah what about you trey all right, so we talking about theologians. We 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 already said uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. a couple of times, but honestly, I I, I I need to reemphasize that he spoke with such a clarity, such uh, a depth, and 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 just the vast amount of things that he was able to put out in his short life is amazing. So uh, Dr. King is one of them. Um, Dr. James Cone, and I won't sit there and pretend to, to, to have gone over his whole catalog, but um, even, James even mm. yeah, just, I think it's only right that we honor 
even if you don't agree with nothing this man ever wrote, and I'm not even saying that I disagree with a bunch of it, but I think it's only right that we honor the trail that he helped blaze Absolutely. with regards uh, uh, to, to thinking things differently, expressing things differently. Uh, so he's one of them. Matter of fact, my advisor at the Samuel DeWitt Proctor School of Theology, shout out to STVU, um, Dr. John Kenny, who was also and and I'm, I'm my only it makes me kind of sad that he's not very like he doesn't have a lot of published work out but me speaking to this man who was I, as i understand i think one of the first students to to get his phd under uh, the tutelage of dr james cone but um his mind is just so like amazing um the way he looks at things and the way he um approaches constructive theology uh, so he definitely helped me in, in a whole lot of ways as well. Um, yeah. I'll stop right there, but answering the second part of that question with regards to how it's affected my Bible reading, I don't always read looking for sermons, looking for affirmational teaching messages anymore. As a matter of fact, one of the, one of the um, newest habits I've adopted I, on my daily reading, unless I'm actually preparing for a sermon or a lesson, I need versification. I read from a reader's Bible, right? Like there's no, there's no uh, subject headings. There's no yeah. verse verse numbers on there. In it's a, Bible a really good idea. Yeah. And I do that really because idea. it helps me remember that the Bible is actually a collection of stories in large part, right? Like it's not a reference book the way that we like to pretend it is. It's a collection of stories that do not belong to us, but are us by, by virtue of being in the beloved community, if that makes any sense. And little things I start noticing when I read it that way, like something <laughs> I had a with with uh with 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 Dr. Scott Coley a while back, um, and and I pointed out to something that he hadn't even caught up in the in the Exodus account, and it's funny because I didn't even like know that I knew this. It's something I, I said, and he was like, "Wait, is that true? That when the Hebrews left Egypt, there were other like non-Hebrew people that left with them. It doesn't specifically say that they were Egyptians. I think it's a reasonable assumption to make because he was asking me um, just a, a little bit about like like how I approach things. Um, and he was like, well, is it wrong for, for white people to join black people on the journey? And I was like, no, even if we go at this from a biblical standpoint, not everybody that left in the Exodus was, was was a, was, a, was a Hebrew, <laughs> not, right. not every one of them was an Israelite. And he was like, what? And, and that, those are things that I notice when I'm reading the scriptures with the permission to interrogate the scriptures, with the permission to look at things with fresh eyes, uh, with the permission to, to, I don't even want to say heterodox, but 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 the permission to, to re-examine things from a different vantage point, yeah. which is a gift that I got from black theology. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, yeah. Well, I didn't know you were stopping right there. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah I, okay. I didn't plan on it, but then yeah, I'm, I'm I uh, okay. <laughs> I uh, I got uh, two things. One, st uh, stay stay with me, y'all. Um, one, you kind of uh, triggered this thought, and I've been thinking about this all day. Is um, like I, I I've been thinking about the beauty of black. Um, theologians, black uh, people in general, but let's say black theologians, uh, because we're having this conversation. And so I was thinking as you were talking, Trey, like, uh, 
because we we do we stand as a prophetic witness at all these junctures uh within society and history especially uh in american history and we stand at all of these crucial junctures and thinking think about it like even martin luther king jr you were just referencing and james cone and frederick Douglass, uh sojourner truth um all different uh, women and men throughout history. And they're standing at these uh, pockets of time and they're proclaiming these truths about God, history, philosophy, and they mostly were not received, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they're like, something is wrong. God is not pleased, right? And were they received? No. (laughs) the answer is overwhelmingly no um we have fannie lou hamer she's like this prophetic witness like like no this is wrong yeah i'm gonna shine a light all around to show you this is wrong no (laughs) wasn't (laughs) was overwhelming testimony that people were like you know what let's repent let's do this the right way Mm. no James Cone was wrestling with these theological truths kind of that you're talking about, uh, Trey. And he's, he's even saying like, does God have a preferential option for the poor and the oppressed? Hmm. Is God behind segregation? Hmm. Like now we're on the other side of that wrestle. And of course we're like, of course God wasn't behind segregation. (laughs) that was ghetto (laughs) but we have the option even to to look at it because we're on the other side of this man's prophetic wrestling right we're on the other side of fanny lou hamer being beaten and bruised and bloody right and she was standing in that birth pang of history right yeah and she her body was literally mangled um, as a witness, like, no, this country is bloody. And Ida B. Uh, Wells had to conduct a whole campaign, an anti-lynching campaign. That was something that people had to be convinced about at some point in time. Crazy. Yes. And I, I'm thinking black theology went through black bodies, right? It mm. was a doorway through our actual bodies, right? Wow. Wow. So it wasn't just our minds. We're actually embodying what we believe. And we, mm-hmm. we stand and we have stood and we will continue standing as a witness. Something is wrong here, right? And yes. so we, we sound these alarms and we are not believed in our generation. And it's only by looking back, we're like, oh, you know, so James Cone. Oh my God, what is he doing? This is demonic. This is, what mm-hmm. is he? Black liberation theology, this sounds so demonic. Now we're looking back, not, that was not demonic. <laughs> that was you understand ooh, that was Man. not demonic Renita Weems what is she the womanism is not crazy <laughs> it is not crazy at all man Wom- you... womanism sounds so normal literally the most normal thing on the <laughs> yeah you you absolutely right you on it and and it's funny uh because 
okay, we just passed these uh, Georgia runoff elections maybe uh, two, three weeks ago, right? Um, and and Reverend Doctor like Raphael Warnock. Where, yeah, I know where you're gonna go, preach. Yes. And they, and they were they were they were getting at him, unearthing his little sermons, talking about you cannot serve God and the military at the same time. People want to twist the words out, and that's going to be something that thirty years, not even that long far, we look back at that because I can look at it right now and be like, y'all are tripping. Like it was clear what he was saying, and most people can. But so meant, often, but okay. the black theology has to be the the the, the people out uh, in the field bottoms that the voice crying in the wilderness that the yes. rest of people have to come up to speed with right when the reverend dr jeremiah wright <laughs> said uh no yes. no no not god bless america but goddamn america mm. in the context of that sermon it wasn't even like an anti-american message it was speaking from the black prophetic tradition of no we need to deal with this issue coming on right and that's <laughs> it was like i just now talked about ida b wells having to go on an anti-lynching campaign the fact that people have to be convinced of something that we now accept like oh of course that was wicked but back then people would leave uh white churches and 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 then go to to, to lynchings like it was a, a picnic and and take pictures and artifacts and and sell postcards with with actually burned black people at the stake literally right after church it would, it would happen in, in in the church parking lot sometimes you know like uh, and, and and to have black theologians sitting there like no this is wicked and people calling them radical for positions that we now take for granted it seems as though black theology particularly in america black theology recent as you've uh you know am i saying that right yeah that black theology is an important ingredient to the moral compass of this nation Absolutely. Black theology has is, is just as important as any democratic force in making America live up to its stated ideals. Yes, because when you don't listen, we have what happened at the Capitol building. So Ooh, because talk about it. when we warned, so we stand in the wilderness and we cry out and we warn of the ink of the coming judgment and you don't listen to us, we stand in the walls of the church and we say, there is a storm coming. Hmm. We, we stand in the theological spaces and we say, open up these doors. Yes. It's not, there's not enough space for black people. There's not enough space for women in here. Mm -hmm. this, these tables are oppressive and you don't listen. We say that you Ooh. have blind spots <laughs> and when you don't listen, you uh -huh. will be led astray. Because we now have a Patreon, which Patreon. I wanna encourage each and every one of y'all to, to visit at uh, patreon.com slash three black men. Uh, think through it, pray through it ask God <laughs> if, if he would have you partake in this work that we're doing because on top of some bonus content here we have uh, some blog pieces going up there's going to be some devotional content coming out and I want to encourage you guys um, to visit that Patreon patreon.com slash three black men go watch and, um, my kids ruin my videos go ahead watch, watch them. <laughs> them them babies ain't ruin nothing man matter of fact there's more people going to sign up to, to see them babies how about that bro <laughs>